0: So sit down, grab a drink, and find us on Instagram and Twitter
1: so we can chat. Hey, Jenny. Hey, Hillary. How's it going? How are you? Oh, I'm good. Good. I'm so glad to be back. I am too. It's been forever. And Mm -hmm. I have to apologize because I've had this awful cold. So it's prevented us from uh, recording
0: for like two weeks. But I don't think you need to apologize because you're actually saving people from listening to your snotty self.
1: It really is true. <laughs> I sounded like a dude for a while. I have this deep raspy voice.
0: <laughs> at one point it didn't even sound like you. No. It's like that was... is a dude. <laughs> I was sick. I know. I'm so glad you're better.
1: Yeah, me too. That was that just sucked. Yeah. And and when I should have been preparing for our podcast, I was watching Criminal Minds. <laughs> As you do. As as you do, because I just couldn't concentrate on anything but, apparently, murder and such. Yeah. Seems like good.
0: a... Yeah, it happens. Yeah. So, should we say, we have gained so many new listeners from all over the world, and I'd like to give a few shout-outs. Please. Who do we, we have, have new? A good handful of them. We have reached Reno, Nevada, and Valley City, North Dakota, and also in the States, I want to give a huge shout out to whoever is listening in Boardman, Oregon, because that's like they are top of the list. Apparently, they <laughs> listen to everything. So whoever you are and maybe you have friends there, like, dude, reach out because we want to give you a virtual social high five. <laughs> you are awesome. Thank you. We've hit some new countries, Peru, Sweden, Denmark. Nova Scotia in Canada, Austria, the Netherlands, and just recently Slovenia and Iran. Very cool.
1: Yeah. If you uh, just drop us a line and let us know how you heard about us, or I
0: know we're just like tickled pink very, <laughs> that very you're happy. listening. Very, very happy. cool.
1: So we're going to have a, an episode coming up in the next couple months where you ask us questions and we answer them. We can't promise we'll answer every question, but you can ask anything. <laughs> <laughs> Personal, about the band, our experiences with the band, whatever. And we'll entertain answering your questions and we'll give you a shout out.
0: Yeah. And once we have enough questions to fill an episode, then we'll, we'll, we'll do it. Record that one. So if you do have questions
1: or comments or anything uh, hit us up on twitter and instagram
0: yeah we are at the underscore garden tarts on both you can just directly add us or message us we'll see it either way
1: also we are planning in the future as well a newsletter
0: that you can subscribe to yeah like an email you'll get that will probably initially just be like hey there's a new episode out don't miss it but we're hoping to have some special listener content that you can only get in that newsletter.
1: Just there. Nowhere else.
0: Yeah. So you can, if you go to our website, which is just thegardentarts.com, you'll see a pop-up. And you can sign up right there. We won't, like, spam you with stuff. Like, if you're, oh, no, like, no, you like no, YouTube no. stuff, you'll like the newsletter. It's just
1: Garden Tarts exclusive. Yeah. You won't find that information anywhere else. Maybe we'll have
0: some fun new whiskey drink recipes. We
1: might. We might do that. Speaking of which, what are you drinking, Jenny?
0: I have tonight. I have the Jameson or the Stout Edition from the Castmate series. I ran out of my Screwball, which is my new favorite thing in the world, and I had this bottle. And I told myself I'm not allowed to go buy more Screwball until I drink (laughs) (laughs) it.
1: Well, I am drinking Screwball. Of course you are, because it's just that good. If you haven't tried Screwball, you should try it out. They're also on Instagram. They are. S-K-R-E-W-B-A-L-L.
0: Peanut butter whiskey. And I think we need, at some point, we need a drink called the Garden Tart that is centered around Screwball.
1: Yeah, maybe we should have something that's a little tart, though. (laughs) Drink with Screwball that incorporates tart, garden tarts.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, there's there's got to be something out there. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll make it up. Maybe there's some kind of tart, like if you think kind of a peanut butter and jelly kind of thing. Maybe there's like a tart, like little fruity thing that goes with it. Maybe
1: we should message Screwball and see if they can help us. I think it's a good idea. Yeah, and we're not being sponsored by Screwball or anything. We just like it that much. We just
0: genuinely love it.
1: We have no sponsorships except for...
0: Yeah, our only sponsor is Anchor, which is the podcast service we use to publish our podcast. Don't worry, in a little bit, you'll hear a little ad about it. Yes.
1: We just really like Screwball that much. That's why we're, we really incorporate them into our podcast that much. And it
0: does not replace our love of Jameson. No, no, it's no. It's just no. very different. No, no. We no. might have
1: some Jameson news...
0: On the horizon.
1: But let's not discuss that until it goes down.
0: There has been a big Jameson announcement. Yeah. But we'll wait till it's in hand.
1: That's exciting. Oh my god. I can't even. Oh my, god. That. my brain just
0: exploded all over again.
1: Life altering.
0: Well, we are finally, finally, finally going to talk about Rattle and Hum.
1: Which is, you know, obviously an album and a film. A movie. Yeah. And hey, so, Jenny, let me ask hey, you a what?
0: question. Okay. What's this film about? Well, it's a musical journey. <laughs> Do you At know how that's long I said it was going to be about.
1: <laughs> is film expensive?
0: No, it's the cheapest thing. Is that the right you answer? Know how long
1: I've been—that's the right answer. You okay. know how long I've been
0: waiting to to say those
1: things.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so this episode of our podcast is going to be like this isn't the album in order or the movie necessarily in order. It's everything on the album no it's everything in the movie and then we'll talk about the extras on the album so hang with us if you're like no 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 that's not the track list there is a little rhyme to our reason
1: yeah we've got it just play along well the uh, album was released on october 10th 1988 and the movie was released on october 27th 1988 oh very close okay yeah, um, the album is described as a hybrid live studio album, which I really like. That I like that a lot. Yeah, the album was fairly well received. The movie, however, was not. But I have stuff to talk about that later. Yeah, I personally think it's fun. It's quality. I love the
0: movie.
1: I love it too. And it's entertaining. We... I just understand critics. I absolutely understand but they uh their objections
0: to it yeah especially in the moment like it, oh god okay so here's the thing my microphone is in a cat bed and now there's a cat in the cat bed <laughs> <there's>, to help <laughs> don't put this out and now there's a cat king, in the cat bed king, <laughs> king, like, king. like why why can't I just record <laughs> <laughs> about all of this?
1: You're not helping. But, you know, if you had a box sitting behind you, the cat would pay no attention to the cat bed.
0: It's true. Oh, you're pain in the ass. So I first saw the movie. This was, we talked about this a little bit before when we talked with your brother, Jeremy, how I came into the band with Octon Baby, and I can't wait to talk about that in that actual episode. So excited. But- I know me too but it was so two of my friends if you listened to the last episode told me I had to get that album and I did and then one of those friends Allie said and then we both like would start talking about U2 and stuff a lot and one day we were having a sleepover or something and she's like you know Jenny we're not really U2 fans until we've watched Rattle and Home and I'm like okay so I'm sure my dad drove us to Blockbuster and we went and got right on the I don't think we were driving yet. We got it and I just remember, I can picture the room. We have- I know how I was sitting on the couch and this was really, like I had seen the video from Mysterious Ways and stuff, but I hadn't seen the band. This was the first time I had seen the band and I just were like, it was just silence through this entire movie. And I'm guessing she'd seen it before. I'm not really sure. But I just remember at the end, we were dead set. We were going to see them in concert, and we were going to get Bono's attention. How'd that work out for you? I think we did pretty well. Actually, I've never seen a show with her. (laughs) 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 That just, that that didn't, after high school, we didn't really, actually, we're friends on Facebook. I'm going to send her a message that I talked about her in this episode.
1: So I saw the movie at the then new movie theater AMC at Patrick Henry Mall, which is now defunct. The mall's still there, but it's yeah, it's pretty defunct too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's still there and operating, but there's no movie theater there. But it was a brand new movie theater, and I can't tell you who I saw it with, but I remember there were four movie posters, one for each member of the band. Oh, fun one of those I've searched high and low for them for years I have one and it is Larry's (laughs) of course it is (laughs) I've searched everywhere I was determined to get all four of them (laughs) that's the only one that's for sale (laughs) and I got Larry and I
0: I haven't really right I haven't really
1: looked in uh, many 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 years Um, I'm pretty sure that the Larry poster dates back about that far but yeah but, I love the movie. I really love it. I just am able to take a step back and look at it from a non obsessive crazy fan point of view, and I yeah. see why it was not that successful. I mean, I know that they what they kind of intended the film to be ended up not being that fun fact right. though the original title was "You two in the Americas." Did you know that
0: yeah. i that sounds familiar.
1: Yeah, it was supposed to be filmed in Chicago and Buenos Aires later in 1987, but they had production problems, so they switched to Tempe and Denver. Originally, the band was going to finance the movie themselves and release it to a small number of theaters as an independent film, but because it went over budget, Paramount bought it, and then it became this
0: it's an entirely different project.
1: Totally different. A beast. Yeah, a literal beast, um, a monster. Anyway, so the first night they started off filming was in Denver. And it apparently was a poor performance because Bono found it hard to connect with the crowd, with the cameras, which I get that. Yeah. I mean, he obviously plays for us. But the tickets, flashing forward, the tickets to the Tempe show were $5 a piece. What? Which was, uh, that's, I mean, you know... Inflation and everything, but tickets weren't five dollars back then.
0: No, they worked really hard crazy. to fill that stadium. Yeah, damn, did it work? But it
1: and it, but they sold out really, really, really quickly. I think that the band kind of before the movie they must have, and this is just my commentary, but they must have watched a lot of The Last Waltz, which was, yeah. you know, probably the I think one of the greatest rock. You know, rockumentary kind of, it wasn't a um, rockumentary though. That was an actual just concert film, which was directed by Martin Scorsese. And I think that they All probably right. had that in mind that and like stop making sense by um, <laughs> the talking heads. And you two somehow got stuck in the middle of that. And this is Spinal Tap. <laughs> <laughs> and when you think of it again, The Last Welt was directed by Martin Scorsese and Spinal Tap goes to eleven. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: So, and then there, right in the middle, is and Hum.
1: (laughs) Right in the middle, right there. So they got stuck, I think, which, again, and I feel bad about saying anything that's not, you know, complimentary about the the movie because I I love it and it's very dear to my heart, but I get that it wasn't a, I I get that it wasn't a success.
0: So I have a question to ask Bono over Whiskey and Cake now. And that is that, like, after the, backlash from the release like they had such huge intentions to like kind of tell their story and show their admiration for America with this like in hindsight would he go back and change anything for the movie like is there anything that they could have done differently to maybe knowing what the critics thought would they change anything
1: so I think my question is similar to that I really want to know like again not a soundbite but what were they thinking Like, really, what went through the mind of a 27-year-old with this film? Because it just, to me, nothing about this seems like 1987 U2. Nothing about it. Like, looking back, it's so uncharacteristic of them to have this movie. And, I mean, I know what they say and everything, but I really want a for-real
0: answer. What
1: were you thinking?
0: And there is Um, a soundbite that is, you know, we weren't trying to be the biggest We were trying to be the best. And that's why instead of doing a quick two part album and movie, they did two separate projects and a book. I've never seen the book. Have you ever seen that book? Me neither. But apparently Mm -hmm. it was on the bestseller list. Yeah, I saw that too. We'll have to research that a little bit. Yeah. We didn't want to, we weren't doing it for quick money. Hey there, listeners.
1: with yeah. Island Hum. Like if, if they had you know, like it starts off with the black and white and then it goes to color and back to black and white, and I feel like there was just something about it that it was it's not it doesn't go through smoothly. You don't watch it smoothly. It's kind of a mishmash, but Again, I love
0: it. I guess I came at it, you know, after the fact. I didn't know anything about the criticisms of it and the critics until much, much later in my fandom. And I was like, what? I mean, now in hindsight, I can go back and look and yeah. see like in the moment how their career was going, what the perception was, like how that all absolutely happened. But as a young fan, I just absolutely just ate it up. Yeah. Here's a fun fact is it yes. there was a big worry that, When it went to Paramount, they had a color film budget. But black and white doesn't cost as much. So there was this big concern that they weren't spending their whole budget. And what would people think? I mean, Like like the executives, like what would the Paramount people think about? Yeah.
1: But, I mean, it went over budget. It was not highly acclaimed. But it still made money. It didn't lose any money. So... I don't know. I mean, as through this episode, I have tons of uh, not good stuff to
0: say, but I think I have more good stuff to say. Something else, just a little interesting going into it, because we just talked about the Joshua Tree, and we've been talking about the Joshua Tree for like a decade now. While the Joshua Tree is about America, is very critical of America, especially politically, Rowland Hum is really like, this is the love letter to America. Yeah. This is the celebration of the music, the celebration of the people, the wide open spaces. I think this is what what people think Joshua Tree is. Right. People think Joshua Tree is a celebration of America when it's not. Well, this is. I mean, minus some of the Joshua Tree songs that are on here. It's all in full love letter, sending fan mail to the PO box. <laughs> right. So here's a little fun fact. So there is a fun interview and I think, Oh, I forget where I got this from. It might've been in propaganda where they asked about besides all the premieres and they went to every, almost every premiere. Had they seen the film? And Bono said that they actually did. He and Adam went to a showing in Los Angeles and they just went in the very back. And apparently there are some people in front that were, big time Adam fans, <laughs> like people right in front of them. And they'd be like, oh, he's on the screen mobile. And Adam's in the back, like like they had no idea that Bono and Adam were there. And then the interviewer asked, was it like being at your first ever U2 gig? And Bono said, it was an odd experience because I've never been to a U2 concert. <laughs> and spoiler are you alert. Having a little, are you having a little conniption over there?
1: Yeah, I, I I am, and I have to say, spoiler alert, which I'll, I'm sure we'll you go have into. You had like a little story. seizure there. I did just have a little seizure. He said that eight million times, and one time I was fortunate enough to have a small conversation with him, and he said that to me, and I'd had a few drinks, <laughs> I was feeling good,
0: <laughs>
1: and had apparently no inhibitions whatsoever because he said that to me. I've never been to a YouTube concert before. I've been at them, and I'm thinking. You've said this 8 million times in every publication in the world and I'm standing in front of you as one single person and <laughs> I don't need a, Just talk to me. I don't need a sound clip. Right. Um,
0: so what did you
1: say so to him? I said, well, good luck with that. <laughs> I said, good luck with, you know, being to a U2 show. Right. <laughs> like, so. luck with that because it's never going to happen. I mean obviously you'll always be at them right but you've never been to them and the with
0: that, physically impossible yep
1: so that's it and I'm sure I'll talk about that more later but I cringe when I hear it because oh my god <laughs> oh <laughs> just my have god. a nice conversation <laughs> right it's like a normal human just really didn't need the soundbite. I don't know. I'm so glad. I love the story, though. I wouldn't take that back for anything. Yeah. And he looked at me like, you're a smart ass. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> and not in a kind way. No, he didn't. He was not
0: pleased.
1: He gave me a big after I said
0: it, but I think that was because he was about to walk out of the room. Just like, <laughs> let's just end this now. Yeah. I have just like two other quick little things. I think they're also from that propaganda interview and they asked if they would change anything and bono's like it's he said it's gone now i think we're pretty uncompromising in the making of the movie a lot of people would have liked to have gone various other different ways it could have been the monkeys with the outtakes there's some ridiculous outtakes it could have been an in-depth psychoanalysis of the band it could have been those things and people could have got to know us more as people but we felt very strongly that this was about us as musicians first and foremost I think they had, like, some really big, strong intentions. Yeah. And they, it just didn't, the, the movie just didn't come off yeah. like they Yeah, too. and
1: I, I read a thing that after they did all the concert footage and stuff, Grace and everything, we'll get to that later, that they had to film additional information in Dublin because the songs and stuff needed explanation. yeah. It wasn't, like, filmed so that you understood everything that was going on. So they had to go back and add the footage that's
0: at the the Point Point Depot Depot. before that became a concert venue.
1: Yeah. We've been there. We have been there. Yeah, we have.
0: Now it's called the Three Arena.
1: Yes, it is.
0: But I think it was the O2 at first or something. Whatever the the cell phone. Before, I think it was the Point and then O2 and then Three Arena. And maybe there was something else. I have been there when it was The Point. Was it The Point? I no, saw I I a hashtag staying there. I have a hashtag staying later. You do.
1: I do remind me, though. If I forget it. I don't think I'll forget it. Okay, do you want to dive in and start off with a song Charles Manson stole
0: from the Beatles?
1: Oh, and we're, we're stealing, stealing
0: it back. It back. <laughs> Helter <laughs> Skelter. This was actually, like, introduction to this song. Really? I, yeah. And so, I mean, of course... I I like this version better (laughs) because it just hits because I was a young YouTube fan and I loved everything they did without much criticism at all. I think we'll agree to disagree on that one. That's fine. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not saying that that is a a good opinion. I'm just telling you that's where my,
1: I I totally, totally, I'm not saying I'm
0: correct. It's just where I am. A funny part about that opening line that, this is a song Charles Manson stole from the Beatle, was that was just a throwaway line. It was like his mood of the night. It wasn't something he usually said. But you know, we all know he was really into like serial killers.
1: As for some reason I am as well lately. <laughs> uh, and a helter-skelter is a British term for a spiral slide. Oh, fun fact. Well, yeah. Charles Manson used the term helter-skelter to describe what would happen After a world-ending race war that he used to justify his violence. Helter Skelter. That's what was going to be after the races killed each other. Yeah. We were going to live in a state of Helter Skelter. It was also the name of an investigative biography on the Manson family. Oh,
0: there you go. Yeah. Bonner said that Helter Skelter was exactly what we were going through on the Joshua Tree tour. It was one of the worst times of our musical lives. First, a falling light cut me up and I had to have stitches in my chin. My voice failed for the first week because of dry heat. The press came to the opening show and I couldn't sing. We were on the run the whole time and I busted up my shoulder, what was in a lot of pain. And I found that I was drinking a lot just to stop the pain. So lots of meanings there.
1: Right. And, you know... this story is that, you know, he had a wife and and two babies, and he was just struggling with, you know, his band and his family, and that Mm -hmm. was a really awful time for him. So everybody was kind of in a state of helter-skelter. You two have said many, (laughs) many times that they're not a great wedding band. Right. Um, They're not a great cover band. And they're not. (laughs) (laughs) No. they, their Instant Karma cover is very, very good. Yeah. I've I heard that s- in a long time. It's re- I really like that. That's one of the exceptions to the rule. But if you listen to the original song, it's like, I don't know, but it's a John Lennon song. And he has some way of making it, like, manic. Yes. And you two don't even get close to that. Their version is so slowed down. And I feel like almost that you know, Manson probably had a better understanding of the song than you two did. That said, it is, it is fun to watch it. I think that the way that they open the movie with it and the opening titles and
0: everything is brilliant. It's so good. It's, I think it's perfect. It's a great way to start the movie. movie. And we get to meet Edge's love of the bolo tie. We do. Right off the bat. Right off the bat. Boom. In. (laughs) Bring it on. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they don't embrace America, man. Like, the vest, yeah. the bolo tie. He's really got it going on.
1: So, my my brother had um, a kind of funny thing to say about their <laughs> their fashions. One was that they all look like Bond villains. <laughs> <laughs> he, he also says that, speaking of Bono, that when you're already... <laughs> Short, and you wear oversized clothes. You look even smaller. (laughs) He pretty much looks like he's seven.
0: (laughs) Well, this is something that I learned watching Ran on Hum, is that, you know, I mean, even today he wears, like, a cummerbund. Right. Like, he's got something... And in Ronald Hum, he's got like the suspenders and the really, really high-waisted pants. And really got, like, that
1: high-waisted really pants. Really high.
0: But he's got like that scarf that's like a cummerbund. He's just creating a waist. I guess so. He
1: looks just fine the way he is. Yeah. It's like when he exaggerates that stuff, he's not helping his cause.
0: That's uh- true. I, I don't think, know. I personally think he looks damn fine in I do Oh
1: my god, he does. And I my brother actually also said that as well, yeah. you know. He was pretty. Oh. I don't gorgeous. think Jeremy said that,
0: but he was he was super hot. Yeah. His hair, gorgeous hair and like toned arms and just his nice little tushy,
1: nice tushy, no flap.
0: Looked great. But that also
1: maybe was covered up by the cummerbun and no, the the the
0: cummerbun. Yeah. But who knows? I mean, could Cumberbuns be my YouTube cover band? It could be. Not a very good one. (laughs) (laughs) The (sighs) Cumberbuns. Oh. Well, that's good. It's a great opening. Obviously the lyrics
1: were written by Lennon and McCartney and they were recorded in McNichols Arena in Denver, Colorado, on November eighth, nineteen eighty seven. Which was two days after my fourteenth. 14th birthday Math Yes Two Two days days.
0: after your birthday Two days after my birthday (laughs) In 87
1: In 87
0: So some of the funnest parts of Rattle and Hum Are the little snippets with the band And right after Helter Skelter They go to one of those little interviews Where the question
1: is specifically What has happened since the writing of the Joshua Tree album
0: The recording of the Joshua Tree album and the recording of the new songs. And Bono pointed to Adam. They sp- specifically wanted everyone to speak in the film except Bono. Because he right. sings all the songs. Right. So they're like, Adam, he's like, well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so and then Phil says, we captured,
1: you know, it's it's different from the war album, which we captured in Under a Blood Red Sky. He just kind of talks in a hand tried motion. tried to sound really
0: smart. Yeah, and then Phil said, "I knew this would never work."
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and beer and um, Bonner says, "Is that beer coming?"
0: <laughs> and then, like a second later, God, he a Rockstar, go get your own beer. <laughs> a second later, he's got a big ass beer in his hand—a
1: really big beer. It
0: wasn't a forty; it was a tall one, though.
1: It was really it. I think it was the the only thing I ever saw in cans like that when I was younger was.
0: Is it Foster? The Australian beer? could be making that up, too. But they totally clammed up in front of the camera, like, every time.
1: They did And I remember reading a review way back in the day that those little scenes kind of were frowned upon because they were, you know, they were this serious band. And when they were asked a serious question... They just blew it all off, you know, weird answers, funny answers and laughing at, you know, where I look back and I'm like, well, good for them laughing at themselves because the rest of us are doing it, too. Yeah, right. But but that was apparently a a big critics really had a field day with that, that they were asked a serious question and they just kind of goofed off and really didn't. So when Phil Giano said, you know, I knew this wouldn't work. That's what he was talking about. Yeah.
0: The next song is, oh, we love to talk about when Edge sings. Edge scene is
1: just the best thing ever. I love Edgy.
0: I love Edgy. And this was, I didn't know that he sang this song until I saw the movie. And I remember being like, Dad! I'm hollering <laughs> in the Dad, the guitar player sings it and he looks like a pirate. <laughs> As they do, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that this beautiful voice was coming out of this pirate-attired man. So It was written
1: by the Edge Music and Lyrics and recorded at Point Depot,
0: Dublin, Ireland, in May of 1988. Mm -hmm. I had read that Edge had written it with the hopes that Bono would sing it, but Bono said he has to keep his head in one continent. (laughs) I'm sorry that you cannot see me roll my eyes there. And because this is it's actually irish slash Australia content, I guess Bono couldn't get there right well, it.
1: there was a Irish uprising in eighteen forty eight that was plotted against the British because they were basically oppressing the Irish. During the potato famine, the uprising failed and the leaders of the uprising were deported to Tasmania,
0: which the Irish referred to Tasmania as Van Diemen's Land. Mm -hmm. Is that what you have? I do. It's specifically John Boyle O'Reilly. It's a gentleman's name. The video is absolutely gorgeous. There's a lot of it is shot on the Irish Sea and going down the Liffey. It's just a really beautiful view of dublin city as a coastal town first
1: time i went to dublin like i just have chills thinking about it but that's real i mean like you feel that you yeah. feel that walking on the dock
0: it's so true and it's just lovely to hear edge sing it's just
1: wonderful bono did there was some live thing i don't know if it was a they were on some tv show or something but there is a version of bono singing it which really ex- yeah Look, look it up on uh, YouTube somewhere. I know it's there, and I feel like Bono and Edge both had guitars, and Bono like used his as a drum. <laughs> like, <laughs> he, didn't, he just kind of, you know, hit the guitar
0: instead of actually playing yeah.
1: like, it. But he sang it,
0: which I didn't like as much. No, I'll have to look it up. I don't think I've ever heard that. Yeah. Well, once you know it and love it so much, one way it's hard to hear
1: it is but definitely look that up it was and it wasn't like back then i feel like it was maybe in the definitely in the 2000s
0: oh wow yeah really
1: yeah it was just like really random but i know it's there you know what i think maybe it was for
0: was it a benefit of sorts
1: i don't think so i think it uh, and I could be totally wrong about this, but I think it was when the Point Depot became the O2, when they re- Yeah, Brandon. I feel like it has something to do with that, but I could, again, I could be totally
0: wrong. I maybe just pull that out of my butt. We'll look it up and find it. Okay. So the next song, we start getting into the really fun stuff. Yes, we do. And it's Desire. Desire, which love- one? And I love, so this was also shot at the Point Depot, mm-hmm. and it's obviously a draft version it's not the same lyrics no that's on the not. album same you know idea and same energy but it's cool to see it like it's a little bit of the process
1: yeah it uh it went straight to number one on the uk charts and let me this say is the
0: first single this is the first
1: single off the album it was the first single i usually say how many times the song's been played and how many times i've heard it i've not done that for this album i didn't do that either it was recorded again at the
0: Point Depot, May of '88. This is one of Edge's favorite songs off the album.
1: It's like a Bo Diddley kind of tune, but it holds oh, yeah. up. This song has been reinvented live so many times. It's just I feel like it—it it always is current. Like it you know, you is. can yeah. Yeah, talk about Reagan through this song, and then you know, and E and I, it was very much a
0: Trump song. Like a preacher stealing hearts on a traveling show. I have this thing from Bono. It says, on one level, I'm starting to criticize these lunatic fringe preachers stealing heart at a traveling show. But I'm also starting to realize that there's a real parallel there between what I'm doing and what they are. There's a great story from Edge. I think it's this song. He was at home. And I guess they they had just bought a new house. And they were getting ready to move. But he was at the old house. And he was playing the guitar, and he couldn't find the, re- the recorder to record what he was, the chords he was playing, and, like, the doorbell rang, and it was the postman, and he opened the door, and he's still, like, playing this these chords. <laughs> well, the postman, he's like, put the mail over there. <laughs> <laughs> because he couldn't stop. He loved the chord progression so much, and it was this song, and he eventually went, after the mailman came and left, he went and found his recorder. That's funny. It's a great song. Yeah. Well, what is After, after Desire... Oh, and then we get to exit. Exit. Yeah.
1: The next song in the movie is Exit, which I don't care w- in what context, if you're playing Exit, it's probably the best performance of the night. Probably. Um, probably. They, interestingly, my brother commented on this when we were watching. He was like, So you two have a song called Gloria, but that's not the one that Ibano <laughs> snipped into exit it nope. Van Morrison's version which was covered also by Patti Smith it was recorded at McNichols Arena in Denver on November 8th 1987 it is not on the album but in the movie yes. which I think is a mistake personally because yeah. that is one heck of a performance
0: it is an amazing performance and Bono's gun show is strong Yes, he's like definitely. take me to the gun show I mean, but like, there's my time. fucking guitar. <laughs> he spends, like, the big, huge, like, climax of the song, he spends half the time, like, fucking with the monitors for his guitar.
1: Yeah, he does do that. And, but and you barely hear the guitar anyway. The song
0: still sounds great.
1: Yeah. And it's the one
0: they used, so... <laughs> huh.
1: What's going buddy? What I don't doing? know. Maybe he just wanted us to see his tushy. Okay. But, looks you know, like, I mean... Looks like
0: he knows what he's doing.
1: I, I read also, you know, that... For the the Joshua Tree was the first time, you know, they had their own plane and whatever. But I'm thinking that maybe the guns are because even though they had their own plane, they still had to carry their own luggage, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> because I just don't see Bono being on tour and making sure that, you know, he goes he to in gym. His weights. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. That's got to be luggage right there.
0: Well, and also he's just, like, a young dude in his 20s. And right. anything he did, like, 10 years prior just sticks with guys. Thanks. Yeah. It just sticks with them. Yeah. And apparently he had some foray in boxing that there's some strange photos of.
1: <laughs> I mean, I think that also, you know, he discusses his drinking of the time. And I think there might have been some, you know, punching, yeah. etc. Exactly. Yeah, there's
0: actually... That's actually why he switched from, like, whiskey to wine.
1: Well He's got to have whiskey with us.
0: Well, a duh.
1: Bite <laughs> <laughs> your tongue there, Jenny. He can't have some whiskey. story
0: about how, living in California, how whiskey wouldn't make him tired and he would get all amped up and get in the bar <laughs> fights. So he switched to wine because it made him sleepy. <laughs> I don't think that keeps him from having casual whiskey drink. No, not not at all. To whiskey. I want to she- tell you that my glass tonight says it's beginning to look a lot like cocktails. <laughs> requires singing. I, I still have my clear flask that I quite like definitely
1: it. looks like it could be a pea sample to someone <laughs> who's very dehydrated.
0: <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Mm. Um, it's like candy on the lip It's my happy place Do we even need to say anything else about Exit? Because this performance is just perfection
1: No, I don't think so We should move on
0: And I will say that the Van Morrison Gloria Is just fits in there so perfectly And he did it again on the last leg of the tour Which, was, yeah. which he hadn't done since the 80s I don't think I don't think so either
1: Well, I mean, he hadn't played Exit
0: Right, but he had been playing Exit for the last year plot like
1: yeah absolutely like, and he not never heard Gloria it. in Exit
0: no it wasn't until this last like of the last shows he did it
1: right so should we should move on to the next song in a yeah, movie which is
0: quite a change up
1: it is you know when you listen to the Joshua Tree and you hear I still haven't found what I'm looking for you know you don't think right away
0: it's like a gospel song the way they perform it right in hindsight yeah sure But not right there and then. But I guess this choir from Harlem sent a demo tape to Island Records of them singing a cover of the song. And they got to the band and they were like, hmm. That might be interesting. It sounds a bit different. I'm like, duh, it sounds fucking amazing. Amazing. New <laughs> voices amazing.
1: So, interesting thing that also... I watched the movie on uh, Saturday night with my brother and my sister-in-law. And my brother had a, a whole lot of interesting things to say. But, you know... We should say he, this is your brother, Jeremy, who was My on brother, our last Jeremy, who you guys episode. know so well. Right, yeah. Jeremy. You'll meet my brother, Will, one day. Yeah. So, you know, and I kind of read more but he just kind of was like you know really like were they just kind of pushing things to like go to have the song with you know a uh, gospel choir to like try to to have a different audience or something and i did think about that that though they did self-aid and though they have these martin luther king songs they really had failed to kind of take on the class and racial racial divide as their fan base yes
0: there's a is- quote about that. And it was like, we can't help who listens to us. No, you, you can't our, help
1: that. You can't at control
0: all. your audience. No. But you're right. They probably thought they were taking on some of these class and racial issues, but weren't reaching the people they were singing about
1: if you have the chance to go on youtube there's a video where bono gets the cannot remember what it's called but the naacp vision or something award it's a it's a huge honor and i feel like i don't know if you listen to that speech it does kind of bridge the divide a little bit i guess yeah but it's brilliant it's i believe it to be the best speech he's ever given
0: it's called the Chairman's Award. It is from the NAACP.
1: Yeah, I, it was in I mean...
0: 2007. And I
1: showed that video to people who honestly didn't know who Bono was. An old co-worker of mine who was older. And I showed it to her and she was like freaking out. Like, who is that guy? Yeah. I'm like, wake up. It's Bono. <laughs> Duh. They didn't do so great in bridging the old baby boomer, southern, non drinking. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Those ladies, too. No. He didn't bridge that gap very well. No. But that's a okay. really. Yeah, and it's okay. There's a really cute little video before this song comes on with Edge, also at the point, talking about... Well, he talks about how they got this tape, and, you know, it's like, it just it sounded really different. You know, like, and he just... It's cute to hear them sound so young. (laughs) He sounds like a child.
1: So when they get there, Larry is very excited to have his his very very own own conga. conga. My very own conga.
0: Which you can't hear...
1: No, and then one time he puts it down.
0: Yeah, one time they like zoom in on it during the song and you can hear the pitter patter of it. But that is it.
1: That's it. So, another fun, not so fun fact about this was shortly before they recorded, I still haven't found looking for with the new voices of freedom, Bono was in DC performing Exit and. He And it had rained, and he ran and slipped and fell right on his shoulder. Oh, he broke the shit out of it. Caus, yeah, causing oh. much destruction. That's on um, the outtakes. You can look that it, up. And that's what I was... The outtakes are... Don't watch them.
0: Just, we'll just tell you.
1: Like, we're just going to tell you, and I assure you, we're probably more entertaining <laughs> to hear it from than actually watching <laughs> the real thing. Drink. They were... You know, Bono was was just totally dazed, and um, they're in a limo, Mm -hmm. and the movie, the film is going while they're in the limo, and he clearly is like in total agony. He's drinking too, I believe.
0: Yeah, and it's hard to hear him. Like, it's not even, I mean, you can look it up and see it, but you can't really understand stuff. But no, but he's on did... one side and Paul McGinnis is on the other, and it's like the whole film crew. And yeah, I feel and like he's, he's covered in a to towel. Be, he's trying to be cool and yeah. like smooth, and we're like, dude.
1: <laughs> we, just like, shut you up. see, yeah, and he looks like he is in serious pain. And so they get into the emergency room and put him in his little, you know, exam room, and, uh, He's very concerned that he's wet because he's sweaty. Yes. And he's covered in a towel. And the nurses say don't worry. And um they're like, okay, we need your name and your social security number or something. And they're like, What's <laughs> oh, your yeah, name? The social security. <laughs> and it's and like, uh, what's
0: your name? They needed a last he's name. Just, <laughs> he's just like, uh.
1: <laughs> and they're like, Ali says, you know, I'm his wife, I can give you
0: that information. Yeah. <laughs>
1: he could not get his shit together to say his name any sort of name any version of his name poor Bono that that was a little heartbreaking do you
0: remember they because I just watched it recently they specifically asked for his last name and this was like nothing there's no answer I don't have one
1: <laughs> the nurse said something like, "You, you'll be to Allie. You'll be able to provide his social security number, insurance, or whatever." And she's like, "Yeah." Anyway, it, it's funny to see because he's so out of it. But it's not funny because he's so he's, out of it. He's so out of it, the poor thing. And it really was that I just feel awful with that whole tour because he just seemed to suffer big time.
0: I know. I never had anyone talk about that. They just stopped the show. Did they cancel the show right there?
1: I think they had like the. uh, Hold on. Was it towards the end? I looked it up, that Washington, D.C. show, which was on September 20th, 1987 at RFK Memorial Stadium. He fell during exit. And continued on to play another five, six, eight song. No. Yes, mind you, it looks like they cut one song from. I don't know what it was, but they cut one cut one song from the main set and one song from the encore. Still, but still. still, holy crap, man! He probably
0: was also in shock. Yeah, holy um, crap! Because that was that's messed up. Dedicated. Oh. So that's something to that mention. So on the album, it's a live performance. Well, it's all live. On the album, I think I still have what I'm looking for is a concert performance, while on the video, it's in the church.
1: Correct. I believe is it was correct? at Madison Square Garden. Okay. He's in a cast. This like weird apparatus, mechanical thing.
0: He's got a scrunchie in his hair.
1: A white scrunchie.
0: That you know someone had to do for him.
1: Absolutely.
0: And Adam is just like clapping, not to a beat. It's concerning.
1: It is concerning. Because he's the
0: bass player. (laughs) Right. Who keeps the beat. (laughs) Like Adam. Maybe they clipped in his part wrong. No. I
1: think Ed said when he was talking when he was at the point discussing this, he said that they went. (laughs) I'm sorry. He said they went down to Harlem, and I'm like, down (laughs) to Harlem from where? (laughs) Right, right, Maine. (laughs) Where the heck? I mean, like now I get it that you know they go over and a little bit up down to harlem (laughs) that's just not Mm -mm. no honey no so uh should we move on to the next song which i'm so excited about
0: i just want to say that that's a really cool version and those like the solo people in the church just win the whole
1: absolutely oh my god i mean uh they definitely put the band of shame there but god what a beautiful song my dad has that on his iPhone playlist Oh, that version that version I love it yeah. it's
0: so good and as we talked about when we did our Joshua Tree the original Joshua Tree app, I just have a whole new love of that song since I agree with hearing that. it live in context with the Joshua Tree I mean I've always loved it mm-hmm. but now I hear it and like I stop in my tracks
1: and you know I for a really long time fought loving that song but I just love it
0: it's so like so good so what's the next song?
1: The next song in the movie is Silver and Gold. Ooh. Written, written by Bono. Recorded at McNichols Arena on November 8, 1987. It is both on the
0: album and in the movie. We talked a little bit about this song on our Do Good yep. app. Good Stuff, I'm sorry. The Good, Good stuff, stuff app. We didn't really get into it.
1: Okay, so if you don't know the backstory of Silver and Gold...
0: This song was written in a hotel room in New York City, right about the time a friend of ours, Little Steven, was putting together a record of artists against apartheid.
1: This song was written about a man in a shanty town outside of Johannesburg. A
0: man who's sick of looking down the barrel of white South Africa. A man who is at the point where he is ready to take up arms against his oppressor. A man who has lost faith in the peacemakers of the West
1: while, while they, they
0: argue. argue And while they fail to support a man like Bishop Tutu. And his requests for economic sanctions against South Africa. Am I bugging you? Don't mean to bug ya. Okay, Edge. Play the blues.
1: (laughs) 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 So, hashtag sting. I noticed from listening to the song 8,000 times in preparation for this episode when Bono says, "Outside are the prisoners; inside, the free. Set them free." Every single time I hear this song in my head, I go, "Free, free, free, set, free, them free. set them free, free." <laughs> <laughs> I will now from all of time. Yeah, so it's like, "Outside are the prisoners; inside, the free. Free, free, set them free, set them <laughs> free, <laughs> them free."
0: So, interestingly enough, like months and months and months ago on Twitter. A discussion came up about this song and about Bono saying, you know, okay, Edge, play the blues, and how then Edge does not play the blues. No. I was like, well, I don't know. I was like, it's all open to interpretation. I don't know anything about this shit. Whatever, whatever. But then in preparation for this, I read someone said, because the band was trying so hard to immerse themselves in American music and including the blues – Without actually knowing anything. <laughs> and that this just emphasized Bono's misunderstanding of all of it.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> or maybe he
1: he was telling Edge to play the blues. And Edge was like, I will not play the blues.
0: No, I'll play this fucking badass shit. Right. love hearing how this song went from Bono on the guitar to the full band. Yeah,
1: it's I love amazing. it.
0: The, amazing. It, I, I, I,
1: it is absolutely amazing, and I have to say, every time I hear it, I- I'm so proud of Bono. Good for him for writing a song entirely by himself. For... It's, a, it's a good song, too. It's not just like a, well, here's something. It is a great song. Uh, so I have no research on this. This is just my own quandary. Did he just give this speech once, or did he give it every night he played Silver and Gold? I don't know the answer to that. I don't know either. Let's just pretend he's just saying it he just said it once. He just sang it once just for us. Yeah. And it was just yeah. off the cuff. He didn't have anything written in a, in
0: advance or anything. Of course not. No, no, no. Because it's a no. unique piece of art. No. Yeah, it is definitely. I would be interested actually to know the answer to that. But maybe Don't... not interested enough to look. I'm not interested
1: enough to look because no. I've wondered this for quite some weeks now and I've never looked it up. Yeah.
0: So why look now? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm but sorry. after this, they go to a little press conference. They did go to. They a do. A press they conference. clip to a little press conference, and they talk about how they went. They went to Sun Studios in Memphis. And Even though like,
1: it's been other things a like barber shop and a store, it's still <laughs> the, the same
0: original, original stuff. tiles,
1: and they dug out. What someone told them was an original microphone that Elvis sang. Um, They recorded with Cowboy Jack Clemens, who recorded with a whole lot of shaking going on with Cherry Lee Lewis. (laughs) None of this written down.
0: No, they did five (laughs) songs in five hours. Which I also do not believe that. No. (laughs) Um, What's funny is that... So the next song that they play is Angel of Harlem. It's in the Sun Studios it's obviously not the final version that ends yeah. up on the album. But, like, cute little moment is that they start and they have to stop because Larry's, like, scratching his bare feet. <laughs>
1: Larry Mullen Jr. Jr.
0: Which is actually kind of gross. Yeah, scary. <laughs> And said, if I had feet like that, I wouldn't want them in the film, Lawrence. <laughs> <He's so laughs> and then Larry has the ultimate comeback.
1: The ultimate, the ultimate comeback. If I had a face like yours, I'd bleed, bleed and marry it. it. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, did I'm I didn't write it.
0: anything down for this just know it. I just know it. So if we go back, like, I feel like, I don't know why, but this is one of our songs.
1: And I don't know why either, but it definitely is. I don't it, remember the origin.
0: Yeah, me neither. But it's very special to us. Like it's, we hear it and I go, "Oh, it's my Hillary song."
1: I think it has to do with maybe that it, it's a uh, it was a frequent song on the B stage, or like at the tip of the heart kind of thing, and that's where we are. Always, and we just owned it. Yeah, we just kind of right. hung out in that neighborhood, and so I think that just became our song because that sounds about right. Let's just go with that we story. loved it together. Yeah, um, I love the lyrics, and and I I visited Jenny on many a cold and wet December day, <laughs> and I that always New York, no. <laughs> no, I always send that. Well, no, a lot of times though, my layover is in New York. Okay, fair. So I do get to say, but I would, not at JFK, it's LGA, mm, rhymes or CLE, yeah, <laughs> It's
0: the ground at CLE. If you ask Bono, because I read this recently in an interview, but I think he said it other times too, like, tell us about your first time in America. Tell us about landing and seeing America for the first time. And he says, Listen to Angel of Harlem. Like that's that's he doesn't need yeah. to describe it because the lyrics are already there. Like that's exactly
1: Except the I don't think that they first performed in New York. I'm pretty sure their first US performance No, never mind. I could be totally wrong with that. I like
0: his storytelling of it. Okay, let's just leave it at that. Let's go with his storytelling because I I like that. (laughs) And you know what? Maybe they
1: landed... I thought their first show ever in the U.S. was in D.C. So maybe they flew to JFK and then had a bus...
0: Or a car. Maybe. Or something. Everything can happen. Everything. I said Bono calls it a jukebox song. Which it is, is it. like, I don't think it's an insult. Like, it just, it is. It it's is perfect. a jukebox song. It is.
1: I love this song. And it does have, I don't know that, it's a not bluesy, but it definitely has an American twang to it.
0: Yeah, it makes sense that it was recorded at Sun Studios. Yeah. It really does. There's a fun story about that five hours and the five songs. Is that Bono thought he would liven up the group, and so he ordered a case of absolute. I love <laughs> this story. And Cowboy Jack yelled at him, was like, "Give everyone vodka except the horn players." And Bono's like, "Why? Why can't like he's like you don't want them to be loose lipped.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you can't play horns if you can't, with loose you can't lips. lips. Like
0: just a case of absolute, like. Ew! What the fuck?
1: It was the '80s.
0: It was. You the know 80s. they had
1: those ads in all the magazines.
0: I know. He later switched to Grey Goose.
1: Yeah, much better, much smoother.
0: So um, much smoother. I, I like, like to note that Larry has broken all the rules, all the Garden Type rules, and is wearing a Sun Studio shirt in Sun Studios. So, it,
1: funnily enough. <laughs> <laughs> this mom, Freddie, mentioned that when yeah. we were watching the movie. And she was like, doesn't he know the cardinal rule that you don't wear a like, concert shirt to the concert you're going to? And then I had to tell them the sad story about how when I was staying at their house and I had this cute little tank top I was going to wear. And their cat peed in my suitcase. And the only <laughs> shirt that didn't have pee on it was a Joshua Tree Oh, no. That I had to wear to an I show. Oh. And but as I told the story, I'm like pointing, like, damn you all. Your cat, it was your cat peed in my suitcase. And the only shirt I had. Was it wasn't the, even your cat. It was their cat. It was their cat. Oh. I know. And mm-hmm. the same, the defense was, well, maybe they. smelled my cat on the suitcase and I'm like I got that suitcase because I was depressed when my cat died (laughs) and it was a large purchase it was retail therapy so my cat never came near that suitcase so that's not a good defense
0: I have a little running joke in my head because you know well we don't know but I'm assuming that that shirt was not sold as a muscle shirt No, tank top so, one of my favorite things that my favorite trainer says to me at the gym is to be like, I'll be like, is that a new shirt? And she says, No, it just had too many parts. So I cut the sleeves off. <laughs> right. Aww. And so I think Larry thinks that clothes have too many parts.
1: Yeah. I'm so we just not sure. Them. But, you know, if you're, if you got those guns, you should show them.
0: Yeah. And he's working those arms. I mean, I, I'm not chastising him. I'm maybe no. just giving him props for, cutting his shit up
1: so my this is totally off topic but kind of my little cousin who is um six in the summer will only wear muscle shirts and he (laughs) loves to tell people this is my muscle shirt do you like my muscle shirt it's
0: like (laughs) oh my god it's so freaking cute
1: it just melts my heart
0: so my almost 10 year old was at the playground the other day with a friend and she came home and she was like mom i was at the playground and i realized i've gotten stronger and I'm like, really? Did you do something you couldn't do before? She's like, no. I went like this, and I just realized I had more muscle.
1: <laughs> like oh. she,
0: made like a, she made her own little gun show. Right. I'm like, kid, you can't see anything. <laughs> I yeah. didn't say that to her.
1: No. So they recorded those five songs in five hours on November 30th, 1987. Sun Studios, Memphis,
0: Tennessee. Yes. I
1: have a lot to say about the next performance. Okay. The next song is All on the Watchtower. Yes. And I believe it was also Edgy at the Point Depot who said, you know, sometimes it, being on tour is so boring. And you mm-hmm. have this se- schedule. How does he say it? <laughs> schedule. is a schedule. And you just like to, you know, do stuff that was different. So what they decided to do was have a free concert in San Francisco. And they yeah. called it. Save the yuppies then. the yuppies. Like, they needed saving. I mean, maybe from their cocaine and yachts. Masses amounts of money, yeah. And their, you know, savings and loans defaults and stuff. But there was no saving yuppies. It was a big joke. So, apparently, the next show, it was just really, this was last minute. And the following show was supposed to be in Vancouver. And all their equipment, their sound system was... Gone. In Vancouver. And so when you're in San Francisco and you need a sound system, what do you do? You call the Grateful Dead, as you do. <laughs> so they are, they use the Grateful
0: Dead's equipment. Yeah, on the back um, of a truck, I believe.
1: So All Along the Watchtower, written by Bob Dylan, recorded at Justin Herman Plaza, San Francisco, on November 11th, 1987. Okay, so here's my light funny story about it. I love this song. It's one of my favorite all-time favorite songs. Is it U two or just in general? No, I hate U 2s version of it. Okay. Bob Dylan's version of it. Okay. So my brother was like, "Which one, Bob Dylan or Jimi Hendrix?" Jimi Hendrix. And yeah. I'm like, I mean, Jimi Hendrix is great, but it's Bob Dylan. This just is is a very sacred song to me. Another. Really, super weird thing about this song is that my deceased cat was obsessed with the harmonica. (laughs) No matter where she was in the house, if I played the if I played the Bob Dylan version of "All in the Watchtower," she would come running from wherever she was. Even if she was eating food, if she was taking a nap, it didn't matter. And it would make her, like, weirdly affectionate. Like, she needed 20 kisses and she drooled. <laughs> it was something with the tone of the harmonica. But I played her plenty of other harmonica songs. And she had no reaction to them. It's just something that about...
0: crazy. I have
1: video. Like, I'm not making this up. Like, she Believe for real you. did that. And I have many videos because it just sounds so unreal. But they performed on a flatbed truck in the middle of a business district right it looks like at lunchtime or something yeah there were a bazillion people there they had a trailer behind the flatbed truck and while not a trailer a camper and while in the yeah. camper they decided that's when they should figure out how to
0: play the song well my favorite part is 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 a are you ready and they're like, yeah, two minutes. We just have to figure out this song, right? Or as soon learn this song.
1: Their managers like, does anyone have the lyrics to "All on the Watchtower"? No, including apparently,
0: Bono. <laughs> apparently, I read somewhere that Bono knew them, but the rest of the band didn't know the song. It but... was
1: troublesome because. You know what? That is it. He did have the lyrics, right? I totally. He was that the back. only
0: one that knew them. <laughs> they knew the couldn't song. figure
1: out how to end the song, so Bono had to start the lyrics again, which is why I think he didn't know the lyrics. But you're right, he totally did. I love this song. It's it's very sacred. So I'm not a fan of that performance. Bono did add some very classic U2 lyrics into yeah. it. Um, all I got is a red guitar, three chords, and the truth.
0: Yeah, the red guitar is a tribute back to Desire. Yeah.
1: Well, Bono, and I don't remember where this came from, but Bono said he went guitar shopping with Edge one day and said, how do you pick a guitar? And Edge was like, the red one. (laughs) I never Uh, heard
0: that. That's funny. Yeah.
1: It, it, what, he didn't have, like, oh, well, it needs to be a Fender or Gretsch or whatever. Right. He's just like, yeah, the red one looks good.
0: I kind of pick shoes that way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It works out. There I guess when they were recording this, the sound engineer fucked up and missed the beginning of the song, missed the intro. So Edge added that in post-production.
1: Yes. Lana well, was still back in his wandering vigilante stage, which yeah. I think ended at
0: this day. Maybe. You mean when there ended up being a warrant for his arrest?
1: That is correct. Yeah. He defaced public property. And at the time, the mayor of San Francisco, who was future Senator Dianne Feinstein, had like a... Like a bounty. A bounty on anyone that graffitied anything. Yeah.
0: And so he was going against that. He
1: spray painted on an underpass or an overpass or whatever... Rock and roll stops the traffic.
0: Last summer, I was at this place in Amarillo, Texas called Cadillac Ranch. You can Google it, but it's a public installation of these Cadillacs that are half buried in the ground. And you take your own spray paint and you color them, and I put rock and roll stops the traffic. <laughs> oh. Hey, I don't think I ever saw that one at Wim Lane. I'm sure someone did it at some point. Yeah, I'm sure. At this point in the movie, Bono has his full-on pirate earring.
1: He does.
0: He does. Um, he, he's like,
1: Arr. And he's wearing a, pirate a vest earring. and a puffy shirt.
0: Yeah. To go with so,
1: the pirate. Yeah. Oh, so this was interesting. Also, my brother Jeremy pointed this out. That he has to... You can't read what he graffitied, so he has to read it out loud. Yeah. <laughs> He has to say rock and roll stops the traffic. Rock and roll stops the traffic. So you can't read it. In I wonder. a really bad handwriting anyway.
0: Is the performance on the video and the performance on the record the same show just edited? Or did I they perform so. this in concert? Gotcha. I, I don't it's have It's just edited. It's <clears throat> edited for the album. Yeah. Because that stuff's not in there.
1: Are we good with that? I'm good with that. Should we move on to the next
0: yeah, but let's first let's take a quick pause and hear from our sponsor, okay? So we're back and we're with in God's country, in God's, God's country. country. <laughs> so Maya,
1: I don't have a whole lot of.
0: This is a great performance.
1: I love Pano's yeah. really playing the guitar. It's not turned down. It's not. He's playing it. The other thing is. He looks so happy during this song. So happy, And like all the other songs, he's just like 80s Bono, who just, you know, was always just like Miserable. serious and stressed out, saving the world kind of thing. He like smiles. You can see his brand new teeth. Oh, they're gorgeous. That he got for the Joshua Tree. <laughs> Fuck yeah. He did Sure thing. I mean, if you're going to... Have big, the biggest album in the world? You probably should get new teeth.
0: Yeah, you or know we've the ones about. you already have. Yeah, there you go. We talked about, and this is for the whole movie, but we, because I just listened back to our like under a blood red sky ap- episode where he took off his shirt, and we were talking about how that was just purely function because he's not a guy to take off his shirt. Yeah. But all through this movie, he is just mostly just has a vest on. Yeah. He's bare chested. Yes, he is. He's also like in the desert. But I don't know. I think we forgot. Yeah. Yeah, he's not necessarily a guy to take his shirt off that much, but no, I think we forgot no, no. how bare chested he was in the eighties. Yeah. That's just a note to be made.
1: Yeah. I just love this version. This just makes me happy. He looks happy. We are we're all happy. Yay.
0: Yeah, there's a one of my favorite little snippets in the movie comes after this where they all go backstage and like, I don't know, one of the things that they talk about in the movie was that it was hard to be themselves with the camera on them. So I never know when they're being weird and um, awkward or when they're just being authentic. (laughs) I think that
1: part you're speaking of they were being weird and awkward.
0: I think you're right. They come back, they go backstage, and there's this little, little tiny dressing room, and there's some woman there to help Bono, like, change his shirt, but Bono's, like, you know, complimenting Larry that he was really smashing the (laughs) cymbals.
1: And Adam says, pass me a tissue, Tissue, please.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then they're like, this is on the BB song. Watch for the third verse, not the first verse or the second verse, but the third verse, which comes after the second <laughs>
1: verse. And, and Larry's like, um... It's all at Adam, me. though. Yeah.
0: It's follow all me. at Adam.
1: Yeah. Um. He's like, you know, boom, in, because Edge is on a completely different beat as usual. Or as something. usual. As
0: usual. It feels very rehearsed. It's like and... they're pretending to have shop talk. Right. <clears throat> when really they're just talking simple math. Yeah, but, you know, <laughs>
1: right. But you know, so I've watched this movie a lot. I've followed you two for many, 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 many years. And the expressions on Bono's face in that scene, I've never seen before and never seen again. Like he's no. not a good actor. Just <laughs> no. gotta leave it at that. Um, don't quit your day
0: job. Either that or Adam just really sucked at the BB King song.
1: He maybe did.
0: They have to lay it out so blatantly.
1: (laughs) I feel like there's... Look at me. Are you you looking at me in the eye? Because you need to listen. Listen here. You
0: don't hear this. You're never going to get it. No, no. Oh, my goodness.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So the next song is When Love Comes to Town. With With B.B. King. B.B. King and the B.B. King band.
0: And and the (laughs) uh, B.B. King's band.
1: Which is great because, like... (laughs) You know, this is, band doesn't have a name, but Bono was like BB King and the BB King band. King's band. <laughs> he like <laughs> has to pause. Like his band doesn't have a name.
0: I think uh, this performance is really cool in the video because they snip it together some soundcheck stuff and some live stuff. Yeah, like they piece it all together in a way it, that's really cool.
1: Well, I so I read that Bono said that he wrote the lyrics while he was in the bath. In about yeah, 10 minutes. He was, minutes, he, was <laughs> he wasn't in the bath. He was in the bathroom. The bathroom. Sitting on the toilet probably. Yeah, he
0: wasn't. And, you're not. I'm sorry, but gentlemen are not writing lyrics while they're peeing.
1: No, <laughs> I read this exactly the way you did. That he's sitting <laughs> he on the can. was
0: taking a dump.
1: <laughs> And for ten minutes he's BB King was waiting downstairs and BB King's like dude we all know you're upstairs taking a dump. <laughs> no way we all know this. You think it was a nervous poop? It maybe was a nervous poop,
0: but if I was so meeting B. B. with BB King who had requested a song and I didn't have a song yet.
1: Oh shit in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he used the poop as the excuse to take the time to write the song. I don't okay. know. But he said that, you know, he wrote it while BB King was downstairs. He said it was a deeply humbling thing to watch BB King read his lyrics for the first time. Yeah, he was really impressed. Yeah. I mean, they're great lyrics. They're, they're, they're amazing lyrics. They uh, interesting, The fun fact about that is... is soon to be two years younger than B.B. King was when they recorded that song. Oh, look at that. B.B. King was 62. He says it. I'm a man at 62 years old. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, So the song is just magnificent. It was recorded at the Tarrant County Convention Center in Fort Worth, Texas on November 24th, 1987. So it really, I had this really, I was on the train. Watching the, this part of the video And I had this insight B.B. King makes Playing the guitar Look so effortless yes. Edge doesn't Edge looks like he's working hard at this And Bono looks like When he's playing guitar Like a, a dude looks when a girl asks him to hold her purse <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can ask a guy to hold your purse for a minute while you know you, you organize something, or you need another hand for something, and they are immediately holding it like you know, like <laughs> awkward. <laughs> like it's you know, you just put acid in their hand or something, and it's burning. Anyway, that's how Bono looks like when he plays guitar. I'm kidding, because actually he looks very comfortable playing guitar and Rattle and Hum. But definitely doesn't look effortless.
0: He's thinking hard.
1: Yeah, so anyway, that's my <laughs> Oh my, god, <laughs> that my that is taste on it. I love it. This is also my uh, favorite of my dad as well. Yeah, yeah, I believe that. But it's just, oh my god, B.B. King. And he doesn't play chords. There are only, like, two chords in it anyway. Edge will take care of that.
0: You're right. So cool. And,
1: and, you know, it's interesting that Bono snaps with his ring finger and his thumb all weird. And then BB King claps with the back of his hand. (laughs) An open hand. It's like, yeah, you guys work pretty well together.
0: Yeah, go be awkward together. Snaps
1: and claps like that. I don't know. But I love it. And... You know, B.B. King's reaction to the lyrics, mighty heavy
0: lyrics, young man. Yeah, you're mighty young to be to write such heavy lyrics. Yes. And Bono's just like, it's so strange. Well, first of all, he's on stage so incredibly confident. Yeah. Like, so confident. And to hear what he has become and to hear him speak now, he is no was speaking, yeah. but to hear anything, any kind of compliment, any kind of anything at this stage, he just, like, kind of sinks into himself.
1: Yeah, Absol-
0: absolutely. absolutely. It's really interesting to have seen that evolve.
1: Yeah. So, th- this is just a take on the whole movie, but, you know, I've never seen a, a U2 show where there hasn't been, like, at least a moment where Bono seems... Disconfident, yes. I mean, there's something every you know when he walks out on stage or at some point during his show, he he does uh, seem like he's a little nervous. Disconfident is a word, by the way. He it says is
0: in so the bon- in Gleese Yeah,
1: if Bono says it's a word, it's a word. That's another story altogether. But so, and I feel like you know, except for the personal moments. You don't see that like it's somehow edited out of the film, the times where he looks like he's not all that confident. And I feel like yeah. that is some, something I miss because, I mean, even when you watch like the Sydney show from, you know, Zoropa, uh, you see a moment of him being nervous about something. Right. Um, and, and you don't see that again, not nervous. But just not confident. And you don't see that except in, you know, the speaking moments during uh rattle and hum. And I feel right. like that's the camera has done something to, you know. And that's my favorite part about going to the opening show for a tour, is that and he looks like he's gonna puke.
0: Right? Like serene me- is gonna be
1: and I but that to me is just like he should feel like that. they're new songs. It's, you know, he hadn't been on stage in a while. This is yeah. how you should be. That's how a normal human is,
0: you know, in, in a situation as such. We went to see the Lumineers just the other night. And in the middle of a song, the singer just stopped. He forgot the lyrics. And then the violinist went up and like whispered to him. And then he kept going. And then he like stopped. It was a it was the song had a lot of words. Like it was an intense song. And he like stopped again and she went off and did like a cold solo to help it. And then at the end he like apologized. It was a really humbling moment. But we had the kids with us and just a few hours ago my youngest said to me, Mom, have you ever been to a show before where the singer forgot the lyrics? <laughs> <laughs> Only fifty. No ever been to a u2 show where bono forgot the lyrics and yes, i was ma'am. like yeah a few times
1: just a hand well but this was also i had had this conversation in dc this weekend that technically they're his lyrics you can see whatever if he wants one. to change him up he can change them up it's just when he looks like he caught in the headlights look then yeah. you know if you screw up the lyrics just Play it off where, again, not that great of an act. sing the
0: verse again.
1: Yeah. This concludes part one of our Rattle and Home episode.
0: Yeah, let's take a quick break and we'll come back very soon with another episode with the rest of the songs. Stay tuned to find out what happens at Graceland. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Also, we love hearing from people and chatting with people, and of course, we love talking you too. So you can drop us a line on Instagram or Twitter at the underscore garden tarts, or you can even email us at wearethegardentarts at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you soon. If you enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you would share it with your other YouTube loving friends as well as leave a review for us on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. We would really, really love that. May your music be loud and your whiskey be strong. Until next time, cheers.